How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 157 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to How About That Cigar Live when you drive down the road, work out whatever it is you do when you listen to your favorite audio podcast. Thanks for making us a part of that. And again, here in the beautiful Drew Estate Cigar Studios, let's talk about the all-new Freestyle Live event packs that are available now at select Drew Estate retailers. During the May 12th Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcast, Drew Estate will introduce their newest premium cigar, and the company will give consumers a chance to preview the brand before the global unveiling with the release of an all-new Freestyle Live event pack. Drew Estate has prepared a total of 10,000 event packs with an MSRP of $39.99. Every Freestyle Live event pack will include three of the new premium unbanded cigars, a Freestyle Live three-cigar case, a Freestyle Live cutter with cigar rest, and a Freestyle Live wallet. Additionally, each Freestyle Live event pack will include a Freestyle Live badge with a QR code, which may be used to enter a sweepstakes for a chance to win amazing prizes. The grand prize is a 2022 Jeep Wrangler Sport valued at $33,000. The second place prize is a Drew Estate Barrel Bar valued at two grand. Or sweepstakes entrants can win one of 25 third place prizes, a travel humidor adorned with custom artwork by Subculture Studios valued at $100 each. To learn the mystery cigar's identity and experience other surprises, Drew Estate is set to debut. Be sure to tune in and join the fun on May 12th, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for the next Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcast, which is available only through Drew Estate's Freestyle Live YouTube channel and Drew Estate's Facebook Live page. So for more info on all of that, you can find it on our website and you can find it on DrewEstate.com. So we are back Live on Monday night, as always, Garrett is on the road again in. I am in Columbus. Oh, well, I'm outside of Columbus, Ohio, in a town called Delaware. Yes. And you, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you have broadcast from this location before. I have. Yeah, that's right. And what's the name of the shop? So this is Casa Aficionado. It is a new shop um, opened by Patricia who is just a wonderful, wonderful lady and uh, amazing sister of the leaf um, and has put together a fantastic, uh, just this, this whole house is a cigar lounge. It's retail lounge. They also have a VIP uh, place. So if you're in the Columbus area, got to check it out. Nice. Very nice. Um, well, as we speak, the Minnesota Wild are starting their playoff run in the uh, in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. So, uh, if anybody is uh, is is up for it, wants to maybe share live scoring updates in the comments, we would be we would be most appreciative of that since since we're on the air. But um, it it should be interesting. It's gonna be it's not gonna be easy for two reasons. Well, many, many, many reasons, but we have a hard times with the blues. So we, we haven't won against the blues all season and it's a Minnesota sports team. That's 
that's the big one. That the and the Minnesota, all the Minnesota sports teams uh, have had a very bad eight to four. Yeah, the, the game started five minutes ago. Um, the uh, the Minnesota sports teams have a very bad track record with uh, with playoffs. Um, the Timberwolves just got knocked out uh, last week, uh, which isn't a huge shock. I mean, the fact that they made it to the playoffs, what do they call that, a moral victory? It was a moral victory for this yeah. team. It, it's a young team, so I'm yeah. actually – I may watch next season because uh, – yeah, I might too. We got it, some good players and good coaching. Yeah. Um, the Twins seem to be figuring things out. I mean, I'm not going to go – you know, saying they're going to be in the World Series or anything, but they seem to be getting better each week. Uh, and um, hopefully that continues. They're on a hot streak right now. They're hitting the ball really well. They're pitching. Yeah. Um, is I think that has been the thing that kicked into gear over the last, you yeah. know, four or five games has been the, the pitching piece. And um, I'm, I'm optimistic about, you know, uh, a decent, a decent season. Unfortunately, I think I heard on the radio today that uh, Miguel Sano is hurt. And the reason he's hurt is because it, he injured himself during a celebration. Like somebody okay. made him in one of the, one of the recent games, they were celebrating a play and he injured like, himself during that celebration. Like a Martine Gramatica. Like a yeah, yeah. Jumped up in the air and you know did the did the uh, the Chuck Liddell thing. <laughs> yes. yeah, probably. I don't know how it happened, but uh, that sound that just sounds like something that would happen to a Minnesota team is that somebody yeah. would get injured from celebrating a play. <clears throat> so there was something we planned to do during this briefly during the show last week that we forgot to do. So we, before we bring on our special guests, um, um, so Easter was just a couple weeks ago. And as a, as a gift, my wife knows that I love the candy known as hot tamales. And, um, but there's also it was, a, your, it was your nickname in college. That was my nickname. <laughs> that was my nickname <laughs> in college. Absolutely. Um, but there's also a, a candy that has a lot of popularity, but only for one day a year, and that's Easter. And the candy is known as Peeps. And my wife bought for me Hot Tamales Peeps. I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, so maybe this will be my new nickname is is Hot Tamales Peeps. It was my porn. Yes, that was. that was. So Maybe, maybe it'll be your Peeps nickname. Now, I... I absolutely, I just, I just like almost cut myself my knife here. I, I love hot tamales, but I cannot stand peeps. So this is going to be either wonderful or terrible. And you can see the peeps in this package here. You know, they're supposed to use the little dots of chocolate for the eyeballs, but they're like all over the place. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, they, they almost look like mongoloid zombie peeps. It reminds me of when my daughter and I, we love to go to the ice cream truck and get the SpongeBob ice cream. So, and we always play a little game whose SpongeBob looks more weird. So that's the tearing apart of the peeps. 
Dude, and I'm so sad that we didn't do this last week because I, I wanted to creme brulee one. So it smells like bad decision. It's it's it smells like regret. It's no, it smells like cheap cinnamon candy. I mean, <clears throat> all right, here, here goes nothing. Thoughts and prayers. I, I don't know what this is gonna do. The internet's going to get mad at you for biting that off camera, by the way. <laughs> no. No. No, that is no. Not even hot tamales could make a good peep. No, that's... Nope. So I'm, I'm going to just try to do a little uh a little brulee action on this so i'm gonna gonna toast it up a little bit get it get a little bit i don't know if you can see yeah you can see yeah so come on lighter there we go just get a little love all right so there we got a little babish we got cooking with hbtc i love it now this this might this might take it to another level, you know. This might actually not be horribly bad. I mean, the it wasn't horribly. It's way better than regular peeps. We, I'm just gonna say this live because I think we need to make it happen. We need to create a segment for Jay Davis on our show. Yeah. <laughs> now you need an old priest and a young. Yes, I do. I do need that. All right, here go. So here's the here's the brulee uh hot tamales peep. I'm I'm scared, but this is probably going to be better than Oh yeah. Yeah. That's way better. Way better. It's still not good. But it's not horrifying. Yeah. All right, next next week I'm gonna get in on that. That's the way to go. I will seal those in in a Ziploc so that you can sample those. And Justin, you can sample one tonight. Um, but yeah, that's keep it in ranch. I'm good. <laughs> I might I might try that. I have some I have some of that downstairs, Jay. So I might I might try that later. It might be better. Oh, that was that was uh, yeah. I don't. So it's way better than regular peeps. You know, the regular yellow ones, way better. Yeah. But I imagine. But it's still a peep. So if anybody, if anyone was entertained or disgusted by that last piece, please like and share. Yes. And comment. Absolutely. And uh, just experience peeps at your own risk. That's really... That's really all we can say. All right, let's move away from the peeps and let's get to our special guest of the evening. And as always, special guests on How About That Cigar Live are brought to us by our friends at Corona Cigar Company. 
Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest-to-use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSungrown.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please put your hands together and welcome to episode 157 of How About That Cigar Live from Dapper Cigar Company, Mr. Ian Reith. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks Life for having me. How are you? Is beautiful, sir. How are you? Very good. Very good. Can't complain. Um, are you, uh, uh, do you like peeps? I've never had a peeps. Oh so I, yeah, I, don't. I, I I just say you that you're in a good you're in a good place. Uh, just yeah. pretend uh, as though they don't exist. Yeah. It, it looks like those uh, circus cir circus peanuts. You guys remember those? Yeah. The orange. Oh yeah. 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 I don't I don't do and, that. And I just noticed that, you know, the little the the sugar they put all over them. It it gets all it's on it's all over my lighter. Now it gets everywhere. Don't don't ever buy or eat peeps ever. ever. They're gross. <laughs> anyway, Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So, um, tell us a little bit. Now we know you're not smoking with us this evening, but um, from what I recall, you mentioned that you're enjoying a nice glass of scotch. What kind of scotch are you drinking? Uh, I'm going very uh, traditional here. I'm going Johnny Walker Black. Keep it very uh, nice, simple, classic. You yeah. can't go wrong. Absolutely. Um, so, um, actually I'm going to get a cigar fired up myself right now. I'm going to fire up the, one of my, uh, favorites from Dapper. I'm going to fire up the, the Kubo Sumatra, mm -hmm. Kubo Sumatra. Sorry yeah. if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And I'm going to do that on the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Coast Camp. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sombra Mesa to Umbagab, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. Boom. And I am smoking a Siempre. Ooh. I'm envious, man. I wish I could join you guys. Uh, I, th I think my lungs are 50% uh, there. <laughs> well, it's all good. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, hopefully yeah. hopefully soon yeah so oh sorry garrett go ahead no do you mind if i uh jump in here do it so i think um 
I know we had talked a couple months ago about some other stuff, but in, in that discussion, I had told you ironically that both Coop and I had named Dapper as one of those brands that was seemingly starting to stall out. Um, not because the cigars weren't good, but just because we hadn't heard a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot uh, of uh, new things coming to market. Over the last 18 months, where has uh, where have you guys been as a brand and where are you uh, taking things in the next six months to a year? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Stall out, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a good way to put it, I, I guess. I don't really pay attention to all the uh, uh, what's kind of going on, but it's good to hear kind of perception from outside of maybe my own uh, bubble. But, uh, sure. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, over the pandemic, we've, we've really just been focused on building up inventory. You know, I think what ended up happening, what ended up happening during the pandemic and the amount of demand, um that kind of the whole industry saw uh, exceeded perhaps what we uh, would have ever envisioned. And so um, part of my frustration, um, you know, and, and maybe cigars businesses do this a lot, but I hate the idea of like making a new product and then selling people on this new product and then not having any of the product. And then you're constantly, like chasing back orders and that whole process of doing business, just, I didn't like it. Like I mm -hmm. felt like, um, I would rather just not have back orders. I know it sounds kind of weird, but I, I just didn't Absolutely. like the idea of, of having, I didn't like the, the, you know, like it's kind of a weird thing because I feel like in the cigar industry, part of it is like, we want everything to be rare and we want everything to be in demand and we want everything to be like, you know, not available. Yeah. And I just don't operate kind of that way. Like I just mm -hmm. kind of think that if it's not available, then maybe it will fall off my radar. Like, why would I not, or why am I going to chase after something? You know, I, that's kind of my thing. So, you know, all that during this pandemic, all that kind of bothered me. And I just thought, well, you know, I'm doing this the way I want to do it. So, why not just make it the way that I want to make it? And I just want to have inventory and I want to be able to, when a customer calls us and they place an order, like I want to be able to fill those cigars. And uh, so we spent the last two years, you know, really building up inventory and uh, working on getting production things correctly and, and trying to find out a lot of the things, uh, fine tune a lot of the back end things. We hired our first kind of Nicaraguan full-time you know, production manager per se, you know, we make all of our cigars through Noxa, but uh, we were finally hitting a level of volume that it was just becoming unmanageable for me and mm. uh, getting on planes every two months wasn't possible during the pandemic. And so, sure, you know, just a lot of these things uh, in the background that you don't see uh, with cigar companies is what kind of, uh, you know, I focused on. And so perhaps during that time frame, uh, you know, maybe perhaps during that time frame, we weren't in the uh, eye of uh, consumers. And that's, uh, uh, that's understandable. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, kind of what we've been doing. And we got a lot of stuff coming out. We have new blends coming out that are uh, both blends that I've done. And we've got something exciting that we're doing 
uh, for PCA with uh, Raul Disla, um, who's our production manager at Noxa. We've got uh, a larger uh, footprint of cigars. We're trying to fine tune, you know, all of our, uh, our core lines, you know, we really believe in that. And uh, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. We've got uh, some changes in our sales uh, staff that I'm really excited about because that ultimately is what will, uh, that's ultimately what will get us out to the rest of the country, especially, especially the parts of the country that haven't heard of our cigars. So there's a lot of exciting things. And, and as yeah. COVID kind of, as the uh, travel opens up, uh, I'll be able to get out there into parts of the uh, country that I've never traveled. You know, I've never done anything on the East Coast. And so it's weird that we're selling cigars out in the East Coast and I've never even set foot in a single one of those shops. So yeah, I'm hoping to do that. You know, very cool. Um, well, Ian, one of the things that we, especially with first time guests, that we love to do is learn a little bit about your history, specifically uh, related to cigars, obviously. So uh, take us back to the first time you lit up a premium cigar. If you remember what it was, you know, tell us what that was too, and kind of um, how you um, uh, sort of developed into uh, a more a sort of experienced cigar smoker and, and trying new brands and how that journey started and progressed for you. Yeah. I mean, um, gosh, I think my first, like super expensive cigar was one of those or super premium cigar was a La Aurora. I think it was what Prefrito Tubos that somebody that I bought or somebody gave me, or I think it was a silver Tubos, which I, I can't remember. Maybe it's a Connecticut. Um, but I, you know, I'd smoked a lot of cigars kind of, not a lot of them, but I'd smoked them sporadically. And I, I don't think that they ever really, you know, I didn't, it never really caught on. I just didn't feel like it's not one of those situations where the first cigar I smoked, I was like, oh, this is it. This is, uh, this is what I want to do, or this is the industry I want to be in. For sure. I didn't, I, I smoked some bad cigars and, and how premium they were. I don't know. But yeah. the, I, I do remember the very first premium cigar that I think I purchased or somebody gave me was a, it was a La Aurora. And I liked that cigar. I thought it was really great. I thought it was smooth. I thought it was creamy. Um, I thought it, uh, it was probably one of those cigars that along with others at the time that they got me into cigars. And then, you know, I'm a product of the say 2000s cigar scene. So yeah you know, mid, mid two thousands and up. And so maybe that would be called the, uh, you know, the boutique cigar scene, um, yeah. at the kind of beginning of when I started smoking cigars, CAO was kind of crushing it. You know, they were, they were like the darling of the industry. I oh, kind yeah. of remember and all the events that they were doing, the amount of buzz that they were, uh, generating the packaging that they did for their, uh, their products, uh, everything I thought CAO was doing was very, very cutting edge, and they were kind of Drew Estate before Drew Estate, per se. I would, I would think. But yeah. And then as Drew Estate uh, came on board, um, you know, I, I think uh, all of the the flavors that are coming out of Nicaragua, I gravitated gravitated towards more. You know, a lot of the boutique cigars that came out of there, the Tatuajes. And, um, the stuff like even the League of Provadas and those initially came out. Um, 
illusiones. I think back then, maybe most of it was coming out of Honduras, but you know, a lot of the boutique cigars um, in the, you know, mid two thousands to, you know, I guess going towards 2010 ish, a lot of those companies I resonated with. And uh, those are probably what ended up getting me into the cigar business is, uh, you know, I think, I remember it just being very, very uh, strong. There was a lot of strong cigars. I mean, maybe people think that today there's that the overall palette for cigars or the the strength of cigars are higher. But I just remember like the tatuajes and stuff just being just, you know, blow your head off strong and ballsy and just, you know, there's just a different peppery forward flavor profile back then. Yeah. And when you decided to start up Dapper Cigar Company, what did you, what was what were things looking like as far as um, you know your your life at that time, as far as career and what you were doing? Uh, was was cigars always a part of it, or or what um, you know? How did how did you go from the career and the sort of for lack of a better term, life path that you were on. And then you said, okay, I'm going to start my own cigar company. Yeah. I mean, my background is tech, so I kind of glazed over that, but you know, by all rights, I, I don't have any, uh, I probably shouldn't be in the cigar business. Um, even though I think there's quite a bit of tech people in cigars these days. Us, yeah. yeah us, my background included, is tech. Yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of, I think there's a lot of people in that have backgrounds in tech. And uh, if I really think about it, which uh, eh, maybe that's worth a segment on its own, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, cigars and the community, I mean, starting a cigar company back when I did, it didn't, it was never really a, you know, I, I don't know if I really thought about it in a serious manner because it is difficult to think about from going from zero to, cigar company or cigar business um i think really all of it just kind of happened by well you know what i'm working in tech i've got a little bit of extra initiative and time and some maybe some extra clams maybe i should try making my own cigar and then see how that goes and i think anybody that does that or i think people that go down that path uh quickly will realize that it's a it's a difficult uh it's a difficult gig there's a lot of things just between making the cigars to uh, the actual uh, products themselves and, you know, how you, how you uh, even make them to start or how you even go through the process of banding them or boxing them. I mean, all the various things that go into actually manufacturing cigars, I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot you don't think about and, and perhaps, and, and without a doubt, when I first started, I, I didn't know anything of what, it took to get to that level, you know, and it's probably the number one thing that I get asked to this day is because there's a lot of people that obviously want to make cigars or be in the cigar business. And I try to help as many of them I can, but uh, yeah, you're very naive going into it. And I think you, you, as you get through it, you figure out all the little things uh, and, and I'm still figuring out a lot of things, but um, you know, I, I, I don't, I'd like to say that I had a grand duos plan and that, that there was a, uh, you know, that I started and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to be uh, the next so-and-so and, -so. and uh, <laughs> that headstrong will, you know, cause yeah. me to, 
to get to the next levels. But I, I think it's just a matter of tenacity and uh, curiosity and, and going, you know, can you make some cigars and can you sell them and can you figure out that part of the business? And, and uh, next time around, keep improving each and every time, you know? Yeah. And everybody has, you know, as we're the thing that I enjoy about talking to other boutique owners is the process that they took to get into this industry. It seems like there's either this passion of cigars that people have to uh, learn by fire, um, how, how to, you know, create a successful cigar company, or they have been in it in some other capacity. And that was just the, the next evolution in the, in their path. So, for you, when you decided to, to get into cigars, you're going to make the cigar, you've got this name. When you start looking at factories and all of that and how you want to be involved, take us through that process for you. What was that like? Well, yeah, I mean, when, you know, the way that I look at factories today um, is very, very different, obviously, because I'm looking at it looking at factories with the lens of, uh, uh, of having done something for a number of years. You know, I recently had the pleasure of, uh, touring the Perdomo factory. Uh, Nick was down there. I was down in Nicaragua a few weeks ago and he was like, Hey man, you want to go see the, the factory? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And I, you know, the questions that I asked today and the things that I'm interested in today are far, far different than what, when I first started. Um, so obviously as you, you know, as I've gone through the business, I've, I've learned a lot and learned more and more. And so you, you just kind of, your curiosities get maybe a little bit more nuanced or intricate as you go. But, you know, I, I think, um, when you're starting anything, the, uh, the number of opportunities that you have available to you are very, you know, they're very, uh, limited. And, you know, if, if you decide today, like if you're just somebody right off the street and you decide, hey, you know, I'm going to make cigars and I'm, I'm going to choose the best factory in the world to make them at. Um, it's not easy. Uh, generally speaking, you know, you could, you know, say you have five factories in the top of your mind that you want to go make cigars at. I, I would probably say that most of those cigar factories these days uh, probably won't make cigars for you right now. So um, a lot of going down the path is just kind of working with what's available to you and, uh, and, and rolling with it. And, you know, when you start, you know, I started in small cigar factories and when you start in small cigar factories and you're, you're kind of learning your craft or you're learning uh, how to at least start the process, you have to, you got to make a lot of uh, concessions you know, you have to, uh, you have to definitely, you know, you can't have everything you want. Not even today can I have everything that I want uh, when we make cigars, even with the resources that we have. So you're always kind of balancing and, and figuring out, hey, you know, can I, can I make cigars at a factory that maybe it's not the, the, the factory that I want to make it at right now, but this factory um, gives me access to things or teaches me things or uh, or is more open about things. And so I'm going to, I'm going to balance that with maybe a more reputable or a more famed factory because I'm going to maybe learn a little bit more about the process. So I think all along the way, as you're, you're, you're learning this trade, 
and learning this business, you're, you're kind of making concessions and balancing things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was, when, when you first got started, uh, and started up the brand, started working with the factory, which was the first blend that was completed and you were happy with and was, uh, ready for production and release? It was our original Kubo Claro Maduro, you know, okay. which the original Kubo Claro is what we started with and we made it out of tobacco era Carreras, um, at the time. And it, it's a very simple blend. Um, and, and at the time that I did that blend, uh, the, I can't remember the exact year, but I do remember, excuse me. I do remember that we, that I wanted to do a Connecticut shade. And when I went down the path of doing a shade, I, I was purposeful in the sense that, you know, my father always smoked Connecticut shades growing up. I thought it'd be great to have a Connecticut shade cigars for cigar. The band was light blue, kind of like a baby boy. This felt like everything was kind of lining up and, and Connecticut shades were not real popular at all. They were just, nobody was really doing Connecticut shades. And then by the time uh, I kind of came out with that Connecticut shade and I started to go out on the road and sell it. It was like the year of the Connecticut shade all of a sudden it was like Padron released their Connecticut shade underground shade came out and like all of a sudden, like, you know, everybody was advertising shades. I was like, geez, man, uh, talk about timing. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I, at the, you know what? I, I will say this, that underground shade was a phenomenal cigar. I thought they did a very good job on it. Yeah. That original Padron Damaso shade. I thought was terrible. I mean, They've since fixed it, but I was just happy. Like, I, I you know, you don't want to get like pleasure out of somebody else's product not being great or something. But you know, I'm nobody, and we made a shade cigar, and I was like, eh, I kind of like it better than the Padron, which you know, I love Padrones, but I'm like, that's yeah, that's something to be said. I got, I'll take a positive out of it. They've since corrected it. Obviously, the Padron uh, Damaso is a much better cigar, but that initial Padron Damaso. Anybody tells me that was a great cigar, man, I, I had some trust issues. You know, it's so funny because even even in in cigar media, you know, people think that we smoke everything, but we really don't. That because we heard from so many different other other media people, other just just cigar fans and friends of ours, that when that Damaso first hit the market, they a lot of people said it's not very good. So I honestly didn't try it. I didn't smoke the Damaso for the first time until maybe six months ago. And I thought it was very good. So I thought to myself, what are these people talking about? And then I realized that, you know, they, they, the factory did listen and they did make some tweaks to what they originally released. I would love now to go back and try one of those from the first couple production runs to see what I missed out on. But I, I waited until within the last six months to smoke it for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to, sh I mean, I, and when I say good or bad, I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's it's all relative. I mean, I, I could say that cigar is great. And I love this cigar and somebody else could tell me I'm bullshit. But uh, I, uh, I mean, one of the, th I will say this, I always thought, like, when I first started making cigars, I always thought, you know what, but, you know, if I don't sell all these cigars, I, I'll just smoke myself and, you know, I'll, I'll save a shit ton of money because I won't be buying these things at retail price. 
and I'll have my own cigar, which is pretty baller, right? You go into a thing and go, hey, what are you smoking? I'm smoking my own cigar. Uh, but I always thought, like, that would be a great deal. And, you know, I never got to that situation because, we, had, you know, you end up selling the cigars. And as time goes on, I always thought, you know, it'd be really nice, like, if I just could smoke my own cigars. And I didn't have to buy anybody's cigars. So then I thought, well, you know, you need to make enough cigars so that you kind of cover all your moods, right? So I need to have a cigar that covers my full strength. I need to, like, cover the entire spectrum. Well, for, like, the last four years, I've been making a lot of cigars and all different types of variety. And I'm, I still buy more cigars. And I still smoke more cigars than my own cigars. So I don't know if I'll ever get to that spot in my life to where – you know, the number of cigars that we're making, like, will satisfy my own personal curiosity because I'm always interested to see what uh, what other people are doing. And, uh, you know, I uh, I'm always it always whenever like a cigar is really good and it shocks me, I'm always like, damn, that's good. You know, <laughs> it's like a <laughs> like a how come I didn't do something like that or just like a good for him kind of thing. But yeah. yeah. I don't know. I still like that that feeling of finding a good cigar. There's just something about that. I don't know. Oh, you're. I'm. We're with you 100. percent That mm-hmm. is one of the, uh, especially when it's. Uh, I mean, a brand you've never heard of, or maybe maybe it could even be a brand that you haven't smoked for a while, or something like that. Where 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 something just kind of, um, you know, the flavors and aromas just kind of hit uh, and. Um, kind of along those lines, as you were putting more and more blends together and doing the branding and the, the presentation, the packaging, all that stuff, um, did you, did you go into it with a sort of a, a design philosophy or a strategy as far as, um, because you're, even though each of your lines have a very distinct look to them at the same time it the feel of all the designs seem to be they seem to be harmonious they seem to work nicely together and they look they they look nice next to each other on a shelf if you ever go into a cigar shop and see a few different dapper blends there although they look different they look as though they somehow belong together so did you go into it with a design philosophy to to sort of uh, follow that harmonious look or or did they all come about independently? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny because you're saying this because what you're talking about is a big problem that we have right now on our marketing side of things. But um, in terms of like the branding, like, Obviously, you know, the same designer, um, you know, we kind of been working together all these years, Dan Greta, and, you know, we, we kind of design things to look kind of, I, I call it like new nostalgic, maybe they should look and feel kind of old, but also kind of new in the sense that maybe it's a fresh take on something, a lot of the designs that we have are very traditional patterns that you see in cigars, you know, obviously things like crowns and things, you know, anything in uh, Hispanic or Cuban or Spanish 
um, themes, motifs. Uh, you know, we use a lot of that, obviously, but uh, we try to make something to where it's a fresh take on on old designs. And I, I don't know, you know, my uh, my uh, the, my vocabulary is uh, is not quite banging the night on all cylinders, but uh, yeah, I, I, so the fact that they maybe all kind of look like they belong together is great. I mean, that, that, that is definitely something intentional, but one of the things, one of the problems that we're having is that uh, people don't know the products that we're making are all made by the same company. And that's a, a marketing and branding issue uh, that uh, admittingly we failed on. And, you know, it takes consumers and brokers and, and salespeople and retailers to tell us, Hey, you, you know, you should do this better. And that's one thing that we need to do better is so that when our boxes are all sitting on a shelf, uh, in a humidor that people recognize that that's the, that, that we make all of those products or when they smoke one of our cigars, they realize that we make it. So, you know, we're trying to, um, that's one of our big efforts this year through a number of different ways is so that when you pick up one of our cigars, you'll, you have points at which you could, you know, figure out that we make that cigar. And, uh, and if you like that cigar, then, well, here's some other things that you could try that, that are things that we make as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think the fact that they all kind of look similar and we, they have the same style is, yeah, it's purposeful. We, you know, it's kind of my, that's kind of my thing is I, I like things to, you know, we like a lot of gold powder treatments. We like intricate bands. We like things that look, you know, I've always said this. If you buy a box of our cigars, you bury it in a yard. I hope somebody a hundred years from now, you know, is able to dig that thing up and look at it and go, wow, it's a really cool cigar. I want to smoke that, you know? That's very, I like that philosophy. That's cool. Yeah. You no. think of somebody burying a, that, that, I, that would be really cool. I mean, I, I, just thinking about that right now, because I, and I'm, I'm sort of waxing poetic because my, my uh my brothers and my dad and i kind of had a little uh walk down memory lane this this past weekend and just thinking about that you know going you know dig, digging up uh like a time capsule and something that uh, and i like what you uh what you said about where it it it's nostalgic but it's at the same time modern and if you could dig up a one of your cigar boxes uh like you said 100 years from now it would look uh, obviously it would look weathered and worn, but at the same time, the design may even look as though it was, uh, um, you know, something that was, that, that was newly thought of. So I, I like that concept. Now, uh, take us through the artwork process for you. Do you have, um, you know, several artists that, that you use, are you involved in, um, some of that, or who who is the the artist for Dapper? Yeah, so I mean, I wish I could uh, tell everyone the the artistic process uh, behind uh, you know per se the the art that is drawn, but the all of the art is from Dan Greta. So Dan's our our uh, dedicated kind of guy for uh, all of our artwork, and uh, Dan is a uh, he's like a world class artist. And, you know, when I say, uh, you know, when I say like artist, you know, he's not some guy that like pops up, you know, Adobe Photoshop and, and uh, piece together stuff. This guy is a world-class artist. All of our designs start as a pencil drawing 
that morphs into a, uh, a graphic, uh, you know, an illustrator graphic file. Uh, and when I say all of our artwork, I mean like all of it, like Dan will design the, um, the type many times. He'll design uh, all of the vistas. So anytime you get a box of our cigars, the edgings that are around the boxes, he designs all of that. The vistas or the, or the the marks that are on the inside when you open the box, he designs that. The burns, the embellishments, the bands, the every single graphical thing that you see on any of our products, Dan is basically the guy that designs it. And so uh, we're just, you know, it's like we've got uh, this rock star designer and, you know, my job is easy because I basically just come up with ideas and, you know, throw them at Dan and you put them in the, in the machine and uh, I have the critique job or I have the job, but, you know, ideas are cheap and easy. And that's my, you know, when it comes to the graphics and the, and the beautiful artwork of all of our products, I got the easiest job. I basically, uh, you know, I, I contribute in the form of, uh, of non-talent. <laughs> I, I, I sit from afar and I tell them, Hey, look, this is the concepts that we're going for. This is what we're doing. We come up with, you know, we have a rigorous process and, and Dan's like a, a Navy seal when it comes to design, he likes to be like degraded. You know, that's when it like, that's when he gets his best. If I like something too quickly, it's almost insulting. It's like, ah, well, yeah, that's, yeah. How could you like that? That's like round three. Like we can take this further. And I go, okay, let's uh, it. looks like shit. Keep going. You know? Right. So Ian's basically like, uh, make me an elephant playing hacky sack. Dan's like, how about a skeleton with a rose? Yes. <laughs> I mean, so I, I, you know, with all intents and purposes, a great partnership because, you know, the, the high arching themes and kind of the, the names and, and all that is where I start with, I flesh that out and then Dan makes it come, he makes it come alive and he puts a graphic to it. And I, I, you know, the amount of time that he spends on the designs and the extent of which it goes, the extent of which we go to, 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 to make these boxes as beautiful as we can, most consumers probably will never see uh, what goes into it. And, um, you know, one of these days will definitely capture the entire process because it is, uh, it is such a long process. And I, I've, I've always told people it takes a year to two years before we even kind of see the light of day. And sometimes it takes two and a half years before those printables come to life and they end up on a, they end up on a cigar. And um, it's hard for people to imagine that, but that's just, that's just it. It takes a long time to flesh out ideas and, and design the bands and design the markers and design the vistas and then, and then to put them in queue for printing and then to send them to, to get them to print in Holland. That takes about eight months just in itself uh, before they Mm. get sent down and, uh, before you even, uh, you know, before you, you put it on a cigar. And, uh, so it's a, it's a long, long process. Um, and some of them, you know, like lately we've been doing things that are a little bit outside of the box, like, you know, per se, like uh, union breaks. We don't have a band on a union break at all. And, but we do, I think we have like 
one of the coolest boxes for it. Like, you know, we got a 150 count tray box that acts as a tray with the box, uh, which, uh, and his artwork there, even though it's not on a glorious band, the uh, factory and, and the stuff that we print on the actual uh, 25 pound, uh, the craft bundles are, I think they're just stellar, you know? And uh, so we're, we're, we're kind of, going different directions and we're trying different things and, and, uh, uh, and, and it's not always kind of the traditional band and Vista and, and edging kind of box format, uh, yeah. uh, slide top box format that you're referring to. So some of the new, like our bundles were coming out with some, some economical bundles and it's kind of a whole different direction for, uh, artwork from us. And, uh, we think people love it, but yeah. Nice. So, from the from the very beginning and throughout you know the uh um the time that dapper cigars has been on the market um who have been some of the people that you would say have been sort of key mentors for you whether it was from a standpoint of tobacco and blending or a standpoint of business and um, just the cigar industry as a whole, who, who are a couple people that, that you would say have really been, um, good guides for you along the way? I, well, I mean, you know, uh, probably the, the biggest has been, you know, my buddy Gus Cura, you know, he's, uh, he runs the Elite Tobacco, uh, portion of, um, uh, well, Elite Tobacco. So he runs, uh, the fermenting and, uh, uh, sorting operation there in Nicaragua and uh, uh, and the Oliva family, uh, all of those uh, and and there's many of them. Uh, they've been just you know they've just been very tremendous supportive people, um, you know. And in, in terms of yeah, do they provide the leaf and 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 yeah, do they you know we make cigars at Noxa, which is uh, is partnership owned by them, uh, but. Uh, you know, Gus has been, um, I mean, he's taught me everything about, uh, the actual, to actual tobacco itself, like from a, you know, from a non, uh, factory perspective, you know, uh, he's been tremendous and, um, uh, and then the Olivas as well have been tremendously supportive. Uh, so, you know, working under a family like that, that is, you know, quote unquote, the first family of tobacco type situation has been, uh, yeah, it's, it's very rare. You know, it's like, uh, uh, I guess if you, you know, if you look at other industries, if I was a comedian, it would be like, I don't know, Dave Chappelle or somebody like, you know, uh, Ron White or one of these, you know, massive comedians basically, uh, being a mentor, you know, and people like, I mean, there's just countless people that I've learned from, uh, in, in tobacco, you know, uh, you know, I, a lot of people I call friends and, uh, people in the industry, you know, uh, have, uh, been very, very instrumental. I mean, even, you know, you got a Dunbarton tobacco and trust, uh, advertisement and, you know, Steve Saka, I mean, he was there with the very first box of cigars that I made at Noxa in the, in the blending yeah. room up there. And, uh, he's taught me a lot of things. You know, I remember, you know, when you're sitting, you know, one, Steve's an insomniac, so <laughs> he didn't sleep. 
But when you're sitting there talking to Steve Saka uh, to the wee hours of the morning, and he's a very um, honest guy in terms of, you know, giving you advice is very non bullshit. Uh, And uh, I mean, literally this, you know, I'm sitting here talking to a fellow that, that uh, was the head marketing and head guy for JR uh, for a number of years and learned the business from that. Before that, he was a huge uh, personal uh, cigar um, uh, guy that was just, I mean, traveled the world on his own dime to learn about uh, cigars and factories. And and then he's president of Drew Estate. So, I mean, you get, I mean, you get to learn from a guy that, uh, that has, you know, 25 years of experience in the business, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, and those are just, you know, people along the way. I mean, uh, Nick Malilo, uh, everybody that I've, uh, come into contact with down in Nicaragua and through the industry have all been very, very, uh, they've all been instrumental, you know, but Gus Cure and Oliva Tobacco have been the biggest by far. Yeah. Um, as we look forward to um, uh, look ahead to the summer, uh, are you guys planning on exhibiting at the PCA trade show? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be okay. at the PCA. Um, we were at TPE. I mean, you know, the PCA, it's like, uh, it's like a love hate for huh. manufacturers, right? Like the, the love part of it is that, you know, you get to see everybody once a year and then it's ritualistic, right? Every, you know, everybody's, we all go to PCA every year. We look forward to it, but from the hate side of it, it's the cost, right? We, you know, the, it, it's always been a very expensive proposition for cigar companies. And, um, you know, I don't know, there's probably only a handful of them that would probably say they, they look forward to the, uh, the bill every year for it. But, uh, you know, so, but we, you know, we're committed to the, to the trade show because it is the one trade show that's kind of focused on the cigar industry. And, um, you know, we kind of decided a couple years ago that that's, that we have to be there, you know, um, and that there's a certain amount of, uh, uh, of it beyond being beyond perhaps the numbers per se, though the numbers have to work out. It's also one of those things where, you know, it's, uh, it's important from a association for cigar retailers, for cigar manufacturers. And I think now even more so as we face a lot of uh, legal threats that it's important that we uh, show kind of a, a uniform front there. So uh, we're committed to, to being there and we'll be there this next year as well. We'll be here. We'll be there in the summer. And then, you know, for as long as it happens, I, I don't see that changing. And, um, you had mentioned uh, some new stuff uh, that you guys are working on, um, and we did um, uh, see you at uh, at the TPE trade show and got uh, the lowdown on one of those new things. So, uh, what just kind of as a little teaser, what can uh, uh, what can we look forward to from Dapper at the PCA show? Yeah, so we'll have a we'll have a new line. It's a line. I guess it's a variation of a line, so there will be a new line, and um, it'll be a cigar that uh, I didn't blend. <laughs> so that's a oh, okay. That's a first. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a big first. 
and um, there's going to be other products with that. We've got some line extensions. So, you know, we've got some good line extensions to existing uh, products. Um, we've got some little special projects that we did that, you know, they're, they're just cool. Um, I, I don't know if they make any, they weren't, they, they certainly weren't projects with the intent that, you know, we would do them with mass appeal. We just, you know, we just did some of them that, um, that we thought were cool. And so we'll have a couple of those. So we've got some, some interesting things and, um, yeah, hopefully it will be, uh, it'll be interesting, uh, in, I don't know, is it July? I guess I should, yeah. I should probably keep track of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got some good line extensions. It's worth going to. We'll, yeah. Well, we will, be, we will uh, definitely catch up with you fun. there and, and, uh, and give all our yeah. viewers the, uh, the scoop when we're at the, at the trade show. Um, perfect. So you mentioned, uh, a, a minute ago about, you know, one of the things that the PCA, um, uh, does is helping with, uh, the legal fight. And I don't know how much you've seen over the past week, uh, well over the past five days, I guess, with the uh, recent FDA, uh, uh, announcements about uh, this whole characterizing flavors thing, and and it, so, what are your what are your initial thoughts on that, and what do you think um, the the best course of action is for the industry for the PCA? What do you think about all that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, um, it's never looked great for flavors uh morally do i you know do i think um that flavors should exist of course you know i'm i'm very much of a uh a proponent of um you know of, of people having the freedom of choice consumers being able to choose to you know to purchase flavored products and i i, I don't think that um you know i don't think that that will um change for me but from a realistic standpoint i i don't see that uh i don't see a bright future for flavored tobacco um and that's just from my perspective from being uh kind of a little bit on the inside i'm I, i'm not perhaps you know i'm not more educated on it than than perhaps any of you are i mean we spend money on fda attorneys and so we have uh, a little bit of insight from the attorneys and, and we have some insight from uh, from the PCA and from the CRA and, and being members of that and being involved in some of the, the, the legal stuff there. I, I don't think it's going to end well for flavored tobacco. And, uh, you know, I'm in California and before any of this FDA stuff, we, you know, there's an initiative in a lot of counties here uh, to uh, against flavored tobacco. Um, so I've kind of seen this coming for the last couple of years and it's not been great. I, my personal opinion, and I think it's something that the CRA and the PCA are doing very well is I think that the, um, the goal of getting an exemption for premium cigars, I, from everything I've seen and from everything that, uh, these last few meetings have gone through appear to be very good. The, 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 
I, I feel like that's a very, very near possibility. I think that will be good for the cigar business. I think having a premium of cigar exemption will be good. Um, we make some sweet tip products. Yeah. Uh, if, if this happens and there is a premium cigar exemption, we'll obviously get rid of the sweet tips and they'll just be premium cigar products. Uh, and, and I'm okay with that. I do. I, I mean, do I agree with it morally? No. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, um, no, I don't, I don't think that that's the right thing to do, but, uh, from a political perspective of what's going on now, I just don't see flavored tobacco as, as being something that, that people are willing to stick up for in mass. Maybe the menthol thing, maybe that might, uh, you know, there's so many menthol smokers and it's such a polarizing issue. Uh, it even brings race into connotation, like some of the ads that, you know, they try to do this in, in LA banning menthols. And I mean, there's, there's uh, some pretty dicey billboards going against that, that kind of make it even out to be a racial issue, which I don't know uh, how that'll fare, but uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe going after menthols is uh, maybe that was a bad idea. That might fold the whole situation because there's so many menthol smokers. I don't know, but I'm very pessimistic about flavors existing with tobacco. I'm just very, very pessimistic about it. And um, I wish there were, I wish it wasn't that way. I, I, you know, but I, I just don't think that it's, uh, you know, I don't think uh, I'm not long on flavored tobacco. Yeah, that's understandable. It's a it's a very tough spot for anybody who um, uh, for anybody who makes and sells uh, cigars with uh, flavoring flavorings or infusions or uh, consumers yeah. who enjoy them. So it's a tough spot. I mean all the money in the business is with flavor. Yes. <laughs> like when you, when you realistically look at, you know, tobacco from cigar perspective, I mean, all of the money is basically flavored product, whether it's backwoods, whether it's swishers, whether, I mean, that's the volume of the business. And then if you look at something like Drew estate, I don't know their numbers, but I would wage to say, I, I would probably go out and bet that 85% of their product is probably flavored that they're making, uh, that they're producing. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if yeah. you guys got numbers for that. No, we don't, but, we don't have the breakdowns or anything, but I agree with uh, you that, and, and we've even, um, you know, that the, the fact is we've talked to other cigar media people and, and things like that. And that's, you're, you're hundred percent right about that. As far as for a lot, for a lot of companies, maybe not a lot of companies, but some companies, the, um, flavored or sweet tipped or infused products the the revenue made from those products fund the projects that s- us as cigar nerds really kind of go go you know crazy for that we that right. we really enjoy you know the small limited products or things like that it's the money that it's the money that comes in from um uh acids and cao flavors and uh tatiana's i mean say what you want about those products that's you you so be it you can everybody's got their own opinion right. about those types of products but 
there's no getting around the fact that they fund a lot of other what we would consider to be um, the quote unquote cooler projects, I guess. Um, if, I don't even, yeah. even know if I'm putting that right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, at the start of all of this, I kind of hoped that vape would save us because if we really think about it from a, um, if we go to the premise of we don't want products or the government doesn't want products on the market that are appealing to kids, that are appealing to people in high school, appealing to middle schoolers, appealing to young college kids. What is the most appealing other than you know, marijuana, obviously, but <laughs> it's vape, right? I mean, yeah. it, you know, vape and, and vape is heavily flavored. You know, I walked into right. a store earlier. It's like, how there's 30 different vape brands at the counter and not one of them say, you know, uh, it tastes like tobacco. <laughs> they all say like, you know, mango or melon, yeah, mint melon. I mean, those to me seem to be, so I, my hope was that that would be such a distraction because of how huge vape has become compared to tobacco uh, in terms of cigars or, or whatnot, that they would basically just go, all right, well, screw you guys. You guys aren't big enough. We need to yeah. deal with this issue. But uh, obviously not. Obviously, uh, there's somebody still at the FDA or there's people there uh, that are still hell-bent on this idea that, uh, that flavored cigars are, are terrible. And... Um, uh, I mean, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know what it's all about. I, I didn't read, I'm, I'm pretty uninformed on, on what they said, but I caught a headline or I caught something on half wheel that said something about that, uh, that they did some kind of a survey and that the survey was with high school kids and yeah. high school kids, like a certain majority or a certain percentage of kids had basically said that, you know, flavored tobacco was, you know, there's something that they had uh, tried or got them into smoking. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, it, it's for anybody who spends more than a few minutes looking at the data, um, they're, they're talking about uh, Swisher Sweets and, peach flavored right. white owls and uh right. al capone brown sugar and that kind of thing they're that they're not thinking in any way shape or form about they don't picture in their mind a walk-in humidor in a cigar shop that has on one shelf um partagas and dapper and monte cristo and then on another shelf has acid and cao flavors and Tatiana, which, although the those you know the acids and so forth are flavored and sweet tip products, they are still whole leaf, for the most part, whole leaf, hand rolled, premium cigars. So that's that's. But the thing is, and we've talked about this on the show a number of times, is the lawmakers don't care that the the peach white owl is markedly different in both 
the ingredients and construction and use. Uh, they don't they, they don't care that it's different from uh, an acid or uh, even even a non-flavored sweet tip cigar. Uh, lawmakers don't care. It's they're they're in this for expediency, uh, and the FDA probably doesn't care either. Um, they're in it for expediency. And if, if, uh, if, if all the flavored products that happen to also be premium cigars, uh, have to go, then they're, they're not going to take the time and effort necessary to, um, delineate between those, those things. That's what I think. Yeah. I'll give you an example of how funny it is because like we talk about it as like, uh, like odd it is not it's not a funny situation but like we we're in the cigar business we always talk about this because it's our business and you know or talk about it ad nauseum and and uh i i have a a physician friend of mine who uh has no idea about any of these things and he's a very smart physician just super smart guy and um i can't remember what happened but he was asking me something about like uh you know and I said, oh, well, you know, I'm going through, I, I think I just paid our like FDA attorneys. I was like, I was like super bummed out. So I, uh, and he was like, well, why are you paying FDA attorneys? Like, he's like looking at me like <laughs> really intently. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it was like, well, I thought you made cigars. I was like, we do. <laughs> he goes, I know. So like, why are you paying FDA attorneys? And I was like, huh? I was like, oh, well, because there's these regulations that say, and then he just looked at me puzzled. Like, this is a good friend of mine. He's a, a, yeah. he's a very good physician. And he goes, well, he goes, the, the way I see it, Ian, is you're not a food or a drug. Thank you. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> good point. I mean, I wish there were more people like you. That, but, you know, maybe that is, you know, every, t- every person I tell, about this stuff outside of the business has that same kind of view. Like what, like, why are you going through? Like, I don't understand. And um, that's why I'm saying that this menthol thing might be a tipping point because it affects a large enough amount of everyday Americans that for the long time, really worried about FDA taking away your menthol cigarettes. Like that's crazy. Right. And then all of a sudden, like you've enjoyed menthol cigarettes for 30 years and now you can't smoke them anymore. You're like, what the hell, man? Like, yeah. What do you mean I can't smoke them anymore? And what does the FDA have to do with this? You know, maybe it will be one of those tipping point moments where you have enough Americans that enjoy a particular product. Um, you know, with regards to like uh, backwoods and, and things like that. I mean, if the people that are enjoying those products, let's just say are using them for weed, Let's just say I'm not accusing anybody of, you know, deconstructing any of these products for purposes of ill intent with marijuana. But <laughs> let's just say that happened. I mean, they're already smoking marijuana. Like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know if, if they're willing to, to go to bat versus the menthol smoker that's been smoking them for 30 years. You know, right. I don't know if the backwoods guys willing to, you know, to go to bat and really complain and bring it up to their, you know, their local you know, politician. Hey, man, what the hell? Yeah, I've been supporting you for thirty years. We're working the union, man. Can't even fucking have my menthol cigarettes. What's going on? 
That's right. Well, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> you know. And then you're not even telling me. You're telling me I just just smoke Reds. I don't smoke Reds, man. I smoke menthols. <laughs> Screw you. Smoke porcelain. Like, you know, right? You're like, oh my god. You're just like, I was a, I was a Bud Light guy. Now I got to drink IPA. You're telling me I can't drink Bud Light. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe that's how I see it going down in my mind. I don't know. No, I hear you. I hear you. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, but. Um, I think it's clear we have a lot of work to do as an industry. Um, hopefully, um, hopefully we can all, uh, get on, uh, the same page. And I, 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 when I say the same page, I don't have a, I, I'm not on a team. I don't have a page. I'm just, um, you know, just saying we, we got to get together and figure this out and hopefully we can, hopefully we can make that happen. So we'll see how it goes. I, I think personally, I'm very optimistic about getting an exemption. And I think the PCA and the CRA have done a very good job from the latest meetings that I've been involved with um, uh, and the reps that, that have been arguing that and not reps, I call them reps, but lobbyists and whatnot. But I, and I hope that that happens. Yeah. Uh, that's my first you know, wish is that we preserve at least the premium non-flavored side of it. And if the flavors can exist too, great. Awesome. But from my own selfish perspective for our business and for uh, the culture of cigars and for everything that all my friends and their businesses, I I hope that, that we get the exemption. I'm very, I'm I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very optimistic about that. So I'm uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Garrett, I have a question for you. Is it time? I think it is time. All right. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Numero de los Muertos brought to us by Smoke In. And guys, don't forget, when you go to smokein.com, use code HBTC15 for 15% off your order. Some restrictions apply. So episode 157, Numero de los Muertos. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? Well, this week I have got from the land of the United States of America, an average of 35 people a year die from this. 35 people a year. And what was the the average before in, that or the 35 people a year in the US? In the US. So only in the US. Yep. All right. So as always viewers, if you have guesses put them in the comments uh ian and i are going to play 20 questions with garrett and try to break down what we're looking at here it is not medical 
it eating, is eating microwaved peeps on a bed of lettuce. Jay, I, I, I don't want to live inside your mind. No. <laughs> no. That's scary. Choking, choking on con uh no. Just nope. Switching from cools to Marlboro Reds after 30 years. Oh wow. <laughs> this is on land. Okay, so land. Mm -hmm. Ow. Hangnail infection. Is, is it something you consume? Oh, that's a great question. It is not. Okay. Um are uh are vehicles involved? Sometimes. Ooh. No, it's not a consumable. Would these commonly be considered workplace accidents? No. No, the type of vehicle is irrelevant. Um, is it a recreational activity? No. Uh, it's not seizures. It's not medical. Segway, deaths at the mall. Jay, we need to hang out more. <laughs> we do need to hang out more. <laughs> oh, narcolepsy. That's a good guess. Ooh. Uh, Start by lightning. You know, solid. That is a great guess. But again, sleepwalking. Not, uh, not sleepwalking. Oh, Mitchell's got a good question. Is there blunt force involved? Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so we're um does it involve something? Does yes. it involve fall? Oh, it's hit by something? Yes. Balls. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say balls. There's really that wasn't my guess. I just wanted to say the word balls. I know. Uh, <laughs> are these uh are these uh deaths? On a pornography set, is that? Oh no, no, not even close. Yeah. So I'll say this: that uh, there's a few ways that you die from this. Uh, blunt force is one. Suffocation is the other. It's not falling off a cliff, not crossing the road. No animals are involved. Not running a light. Okay. Can we mute Possibly. Jay? Can we just... Can we... <laughs> that was um, my next thought. Is it paintball? It is not. Okay. Um, so... Uh, majority of the people that die from this die almost instantly, and those who don't suffocate. Um, happens on land. I'm struggling with this one. Um, so getting hit with something. Oh, is it getting, is it getting, 
is is the location of the wound important is it is it getting hit in the neck with something where it like breaks your your trachea nope okay no it's not consuming anything it's not animal related is it so it's not consuming including not breathing anything in correct what could you get hit with that could also cause you to suffocate. All right, I'm uh, I'm going to throw out a, a softball clue. Okay. Is it a softball? No. <laughs> I had to say it. Fleetwood Mac sang a song about this. Landslides. Nice. That that deserves Fleetwood Mac Fleetwood Mac fan. Okay. There you go. It's either that or Silver Spring. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So thirty-five people a year die in landslides. Yeah. And what percentage did you say die from suffocation instead of from blunt force trauma? Like eighty percent die from Holy suffocation. Holy cow, really? Yeah. Yikes. Oof. Yowza. Not a way I want to go. No, no. Yeah. I, I would give me the blunt force on that situation <laughs> every time. Yeah, just the boulder to the head and just, yep. just let it let it end. Yeah, I'm with you. Yikes. Give gives me the willies just thinking about you know, it's just, it's like avalanche. I think I think you did avalanches. Yeah. Like early on within the first year of the show. Yeah, and that's like a hundred people a year. Yeah. Really? Yowza. Wow. Yeah. Yowza. Good times. Well, that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. All right. Let's move into the lightning round brought to you by our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company. They are America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and the American J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. So, Ian, we have some non-cigar-related questions for you. If you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Jeez, that's tough. Mm -hmm. If I could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes? Yes. I would probably go with... Um, I'm going to go with Hugh Hefner on that one. He's still living. Is he still living? I don't believe so. I think he passed in the last year or two. I'd definitely go Hugh Hefner. I'll accept that. Maybe a, yeah. maybe a solid, uh, yeah, maybe a solid Richard Feynman after that. But, you know, he's probably more interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Hugh I Hefner. like it. I like it. So if yeah. you were about to get into a fight, 
what would your soundtrack music be? Landslide. <laughs> That's a fantastic answer. Sticking with that answer. I, lo I love it. And sometimes, so sometimes much. we've had people answer that before where, or, or answer with a song or a piece of music that is not aggressive in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And sometimes you, it, you'll see movies where there's a big fight scene and the music in the background is light and airy and nice. And, and it just kind of works sometimes. I like that. Yeah. Like the King. It's like Connor McGregor coming out yeah. to uh, Shanae O'Connor. Yes. Like, or Moonlight what? Sonata. Yes. Right. <laughs> like that's fierce. Yeah. I got Yo-Yo Ma to do my intro music. <laughs> very soothing. I like to go into battle very loose. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, who was your number one celebrity crush when you were a teenager? Oh, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Aerosmith video, crazy, done, done. Yep. Um, now, we got to do. We got to do my favorite. Yes. So, um, the zombie apocalypse is coming. Who are the three cigar industry people that you want on your team to defend against the zombie horde? Cigar industry people. Yes. Meaning they're going to be uh, useful in defending or yep. not useful? They'll yeah. be on. They'll be on your team to help fight off the zombies. Two, three, three, huh? Or or I'm two? Probably going to go. No, 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 no. I, I you no. Know, I mean, uh, I definitely go with Gus Kira. He's number one. Uh, I would go with Nick Malilo. Um, and I would probably go with um, Cigar Industry. Let's see here. I should probably think this one through. Hmm. I'd probably go Nick Malilo, and I'd probably go – actually, I, uh, a guy named Greg Dana. So I'd go with. Okay. He's not um, – he doesn't make premium cigars, but he, he, may, he has a huge company called Good Times. He's a, he's a gem of a human being. And more importantly, uh, he uh, is he is prepper appropriate yeah. to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Not not like in a bad connotation, but this guy is prepared for everything, and I, I, I feel like that's a good person to have on your side. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. yeah during a zombie apocalypse, especially. Yeah. I mean, I don't one would say maybe like. I don't know who's the guy that makes the zombie cigars. Uh, uh, the oh, guy, you know, that, that's, um, that would be the surface answer, but no, I'm going to go with uh, Greg Dana, uh, Nick Malilo and Gus Kira. Those are my, it. that's my zombie team right there. Love that's a it. Great zombie team. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into this week's notable smokable and notable smokables are brought to us by our friends at ACE prime, notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose 
So each week on the show, we each name a cigar that that we smoked within the last week or so that was notable to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just maybe smoked for the first time in a long time, or it could be a cigar that's new to the market that we just tried for the first time. So Ian, is there something you smoked recently that kind of fits that criteria? I'm sorry, I totally blanked during that whole piece. <laughs> what did you what did you uh, i'm sorry i was i i heard everything you said but just somebody case. somebody texted me and i i got distracted and i, I fucking zoned out i'm sorry it's all, it's all good something new i smoked is that what, what it did was? you what did you smoke recently that was notable whether it was new or old what did you smoke recently that was notable uh i was down at uh i was in small batch maximars last like a week and a half ago, something like that. And I smoked that Piven cigar because I'm a sucker for celebrity cigars. Yeah. I was okay. It was all right. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, you know, I just smoked so many things. But, yeah, that was the last cigar that I that I kind of smoked that wasn't something that I made. Right on. Yeah, I've been looking to try that one. I haven't yet, but I'll definitely give that one a, uh, a try. Uh, Garrett, what was your notable this week? Um, so I got to go to a charity uh, event this last weekend, and I smoked a Davidoff Yamasa. And I've had this box for, I want to say, over a year. I smoked a couple right away. They were great. But after that year, bro. Or are they starting to uh, kind of mellow or just? They did something magical. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so now I only have three left. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to space those out and see if I can get that sweet spot before they start to take the turn down. Yeah, right on. Um, so my notable this week was the McAuliffe Experiencia uh, Churchill which um, just super cool cigar, just solid, medium body, good flavor. So very enjoyable. Uh, could be could be kind of one of those, I don't know, any time of the day cigars. I, I hadn't had one in a while, so uh, I really enjoyed that one. So that was this week's Notable Smokables, brought to you by Ace Prime. Improving lives through fine cigars. Please visit aceprime.com to learn more. So for viewers and listeners to give you guys an idea of some very cool stuff we have coming up in the next few weeks on May 9th, we have the guys from Bovida. We have Nate and hopefully Rob. Uh, I know we're, we're definitely going to have Nate. Hopefully we'll have Rob as well. Some of our absolute favorite people, not just in the cigar industry, but in the whole entire world. Uh, and then on the 16th, we have Kevin Schweitzer from Rockefeller Cigars. And then on May 23rd, we have Tom Lazuka from CLE and Asylum Cigars. So be sure to stay tuned for that and keep following HowAboutThatCigar.com for that. Real quick, for those of you who may uh, like to recharge your Bovida packs after they get solid, you're going to want to watch this show. We're going to get into some science about why that may or may not be a good 
situation for you to get into. So if you do use Bovida, like m most of us do, um, listen to the science behind what these are and what charging does to them. Awesome. That'll be very, very cool. Um, so, uh, Ian, please give our viewers and listeners um, uh, sort of a final word, and especially where is the best place for them to keep up with everything going on with Dapper Cigar Company? No, good thing. Um, I'll try to make this uh, quick. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. I uh, apologize. I'm uh, coming off a little bit of illness here, so uh, I'm not at my uh, – tip top shape but uh, i appreciate everyone's uh uh everybody that purchases our cigars i saw a lot of uh names that came across the chat here charlie uh dave uh jay all sorts of uh, familiar names of people that either uh, buy our cigars as uh end consumers and retailers that buy our cigars or even people that represent our cigars and uh i appreciate all of that and we appreciate you very deeply because at the end of the day uh, you guys allow us to, to do what we love to do, which is make great cigars. And so I appreciate everybody tuning in today and everybody uh, putting up with uh, the shenanigans of the show. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys. Every, uh, thank you guys. All, you know, I don't know to keep up with us. I guess we do a terrible job at it. I, we should have a PR department or something like that, I guess we're working on that, but yeah, to keep up with uh, what we're doing, uh, DapperCigars.com, go to our retailer section, Facebook, Instagram, DapperCigars, Twitter. We don't really Twitter much. We just uh, basically follow Elon Musk and all the shit that he's doing. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I apologize I'm not in top smoking form, uh, but I look forward to the next one, and I look forward to seeing everybody out there on the road as well. So thank Absolutely. you all. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. And we uh, look forward to seeing you at the PCA Trade Show. And, yep. um, you know, hope hope that you uh, get back to uh, tip-top form very soon. Yeah, thank you. By the way, Experiencia. You, you said you smoked a cigar, Experiencia? Yeah, uh, from McAuliffe. Okay. I was just, I, I didn't know. if It, it sounded like... I was like, I've never heard of that experience. It's like if I, somebody asked me, how do you say experience in Spanish? That's what I would come up with. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> it's definitely the name of the cigar. Whether I was like, is that a word? Say that word in Spanish. I don't know. I'm just joking with you. It I, sounds I, right. I couldn't get over it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that. That's, that's awesome. No, I'm just I was like, it. is uh, Ian calling Matt out right now? I kind of love this. <laughs> I, I was like, Experience, yeah. I, I feel like you know I don't speak Spanish well, but if somebody's like, "How do you say experience in Spanish?" I'm like, "Ah, experience, yeah." Experienzo. I'm gonna try that cigar though. We don't get a lot of uh, uh, out here, and I, I'd like to try it. Yeah. Um, so for our viewers and listeners, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, as always, if you are on Facebook, make sure to follow How About That Cigar on Facebook. If you are on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel uh, because that helps us to make sure you never miss an episode. Thank you so much, of course, if you're listening on the audio podcast and make sure that you not only listen to the episodes, uh, be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes as well. 
Uh, so thank you as always, uh, Garrett, good luck on the road and we will see you when you get back. Thanks, sir. All right, guys. So of course, until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks everybody.